Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us. Coming up on this episode, the clothing designed in Cork for mothers and the next big adventure for one of Cork's leading business people. But I want to begin by talking about whiskey. Brian Nation is a Cork native. He is the former master distiller for some of the most well-known Irish whiskey brands, including Jameson and Redbreast and Middleton. But he left Ireland in 2021 with a glint in his eye to go to the O'Shocknessy Distilling Company in Minneapolis in the United States. And now they've announced that the award-winning Keeper's Heart Whiskey is being distributed here in Ireland. It's the first time that it's available outside of the United States. And I'm joined now not just by Brian Nation, but by Patrick O'Shocknessy of the O'Shocknessy Distilling Company. Gentlemen, you're very welcome. Thanks for having us, Thanks Johnny. for having us. Uh, lovely to talk to you. I'm going to begin with you, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. I mean, there, there is never a more Irish name than that. Um, how far removed from the Green Isle are you? Uh, I am a fourth-generation Irish-American. We uh, are from uh, Galway-Gort area in particular. Uh, it came over during the kind of the latter part of the potato famine. Right, okay, so you've held on to the names anyway, if nothing else, but when did you get into distilling? Well, I, I think that the first idea of it was probably five years back. We were at a family reunion, try to keep your family close and spend uh, time and, and share your life and experience together. And uh, we, we got a little bit late night and we decided to tip back some Irish whiskey. And uh, as the good spirit was flowing, that idea was born as we kind of jokingly said, maybe maybe we could be in the whiskey business someday. Yes, many conversations like that have been had over the years. Very few of them resulted in actual whiskey. Uh, it was consumption <laughs> was probably more important. So where did Keeper's Heart come from? We spent a lot of time as a team, myself, Brian, uh, many others kind of just looking for the right brand uh, that spoke to our values uh, kind of joy and passion. And the idea behind Keeper's Heart is uh, kind of a little bit of dualism on Keeper's. Keeper's is an homage to the barkeep, who, of course, has been keeping the whiskey trade alive, time immemorial. And then we love the idea of Keeper's of craft, Keeper's of tradition and quality. Uh, and then the heart was around kind of the distilling uh, side of it itself, where you kind of discard the heads you discard the tails and what they call the center cut of the whiskey is the heart of the distillate. Uh, so we loved that kind of craftsman like idea. And then of course it was the heart and joy of bringing people together and sharing uh, the experience of, uh, bring people together through whiskey. Yeah, I have to say, I would have accepted we came up with it by picking two random names in the dictionary, but I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad that some thought went into it. Uh, Let's put it that way. Brian Nation, to you next. Uh, We've spoken before, actually, in your previous role uh, as as, uh, master distiller, which sounds like a a very, very posh job. Um, Why this particular company? You could have brought your experience and gone anywhere. What attracted you to Minneapolis? Ever since I was a child, I always wanted to live in Minneapolis, you know, for the cold weather. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, basically, I, I had no intention of leaving. I was very happy with doing what I was doing. But this opportunity arrived arose when basically Patrick O'Shaughnessy reached out to me initially by LinkedIn and then by a phone call and then meeting in person. And the first reason that the decision we made to move was because because of the people themselves and and the relationship that we built but then also the opportunity to be involved in building a brand from the ground up that was never done before and 
then also building a distillery from the ground up and doing it in a place which we'll say isn't very, very renowned for making with other challenge as well. And the whole transition has been fantastic in terms of the excitement around the whiskey that we're, we've released now and the actual fact that we're distilling American whiskey in the Irish style of triple copper pot distillation at the distillery itself. And even more importantly, my family, my wife and kids have really embraced the challenge and embraced the adventure and are loving the move there, you know. OK, well, I'm just going to I'm going to ask Patrick to put his finger in his ears for a second. Normally, American whiskey is pure and unadulterated rubbish. I mean, we had to export ours over <laughs> there because they they didn't know what a good whiskey was. So was it a bit of a, a bit of an educational experience for your new employer when you brought over the fancy ways that you were used to? I think to <laughs> to be honest with you, it was it was there like they had the idea around the whole bringing together of the Irish and American distilling traditions, which was a great starting point because what it allowed us to do was to showcase the best of both worlds. And I think with the whiskies that we've actually released, that really is capturing that because you're getting the richness of an Irish pot still and the spiciness of a rye or the boldness of a, of a bourbon coupled with the richness of an Irish pot still. And the reaction has been seen both in the US and also since we've come in around Ireland, they, they, people are really, really loving the whiskey. So I think we're doing something right. And to be fair to American whiskey, Lots of good ones around there as well. Yeah, okay, but they're not all terrible. Uh, but it is a little yeah. bit like bringing an American whiskey and selling it to the Irish is a little bit like trying to sell snow to the Eskimos. Uh, they have a lot of it already. Why would they be interested in yours? So what has the reaction been like from people who have been tasting the new product? The reaction has been absolutely amazing. We have been so far uh, since we've arrived, we spent a few days in Ireland and a few days in Dublin doing different uh, tasting events, which have been extremely well attended. And, you know, I we have done this all over America. We're in 18 states in the US and we'd stand up and we talk about the whiskies with great confidence and, and great passion. I've never been so nervous in doing one of these events as, as I have been since I've come to Ireland because it's almost like you're you're standing in front of your own and you're uh, talking about whiskies that definitely are a new style and a new category and you're hoping that they will enjoy them. And so far, the feedback has been amazing. What has surprised us actually is that there's a lot of people enjoying the Irish plus bourbon more than the Irish plus American and that surprised me because our expectation would have been the reverse but it's a big it's a great surprise because it just means that the the flavors from both the whiskies are really really appealing to the Irish palate okay well it it sounds like something that we're going to hear a lot more about in the years ahead are you enjoying your trip here Patrick by the way because I mean you're you're here propping your man up as he's going up getting nervous talking about whiskey to the Irish <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I, I'm having a great time, obviously. Now, Brian complains about the snow in Minnesota, but now we've come into rain. But I saw the sun trying to peak out. But, you know, this is great for us. This is uh, really a homecoming. I, I love that, you know, this is uh, kind of falls within our, our family heritage to be here. Uh, but most specifically, just we launched this hard effect in, in Cork originally when Brian and I first met and the idea to collaborate and partner came together. So to have Brian back in his hometown, 
bringing his his whiskey uh, to the to the Irish community is something that is really special for us. Okay, well, we look forward to having a sample of it now that you've you've, you've made me want a little bit of it. Brian Nation, <laughs> a renowned master distiller, now with the o- O'Shaughnessy uh, Distilling Company. See, I, I I just went full Irish pronunciation at the start, Patrick. You will forgive me, Patrick O'Shaughnessy of said <laughs> distilling company. Gentlemen, thank you both very much for joining us. Ah, uh, cheers, Jonathan. Thank Thanks you, Jonathan. so much, cheers. everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. Now, my next guest is someone I've spoken to many times over the years. He's built a suite of digital businesses, driven complex global operations, delivered smart campuses and buildings all the way around the world. 25 years of experience in the technology sector, working with brands like Apple and Johnson Controls and Flextronics. And he's currently the CEO of CompuCal Calibration Solutions here in Cork. Donald Sullivan, you're welcome back to Red Business. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm uh, uh, really good, thank you. And uh, that's quite the introduction. Um, <laughs> well, you've done it all. I mean, you have you have done all of those things. I mean, the last time I would have spoken to you would have been in your role in Johnson Controls, and 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 you played a big role in in setting up down in One Albert Key and and creating loads of jobs that are still there. And now you've moved on to your next venture. Tell us about CompuCal. Yeah, so CompuCal is a company that's been around for a number of years, but we've gone through a big transition over the last two years, becoming a a SaaS uh, AI company. So we've built a platform that helps companies in life sciences and medtech to manage their complex calibration and maintenance type activities. So we move all of that to the cloud, bring automation to that for them, and make it simple for them to record all of that information, have all that audit trails and compliance that they need in a a simple-to-deploy cloud platform. So it helps them to manage downtime, increase capacity without having to spend anything, and makes, uh, you know, passing audits, getting through all the highly regulated um, industry requirements that they have um, much more seamless, easy to manage, easy for their their senior people to see where they stand. Uh, w- so that's w- what we do. Okay, w- when it comes to acronyms, uh, some fill people with dread. GDPR used to it, for example. ESG is another one that kind of terrifies them. AI may only have two letters, but speak to yeah. senior people in any business right now, and it is terrifying the daylights out of them because like most people they're over a certain age they don't know what it is they think it used to be something on the telly and now it might actually replace them in a couple of years if they don't get on board in the right way so how how are you demystifying artificial intelligence yeah so um like we've seen this uh, i guess throughout my career people are always worried about you know the next iteration of technology and what it's going to do and how it's going to disrupt things and certainly AI and its latest incarnations through things like ChatGPT um, certainly have got people's attention currently. And, you know, it's always a double-edged sword. One is that it brings a lot of new innovation. It brings a lot of new opportunities. And it also brings some risk that it can bring automation that eliminates certain types of work. For me, I just see it as powerful technology that if you can apply it in the right way, can be a significant aid to business. I'll give you an example. For us in our business, we would have you know, calibration records for over a million things that we've um, you know, carried out a calibration on, and we've got the, the results of that. And for calibration, just to explain what that is, it's measuring the things that actually do the measuring to make sure that they're measuring accurately. 
And you, so you get the results of those and you see how that drifts over time or doesn't and what actions you might need to make to make sure everything is, is measuring accurately. So we'd have more than a million results that we'd have done and we apply certain levels of analytics to that. AI just allows us to do that more quickly and we can do predictive things um, rather than just looking in the rear view mirror so we can predict the future, um, things that you might want to do now that can impact future performance, those sorts of things. So for us, it's not really scary. It's new vocabulary that we have to learn. Um, it's new technology that's becoming available. And how do you deploy it and use it to solve problems that you found challenging before mm. in a way that might make it easier to do in the future? How much of a challenge, though, is it to try and bring people on the journey with you? You're showing all of this wonderful technology that's you know, bringing that tremendous experience, one million previous calibrations, and, and you're showing mm. this company, well, this is how I can use it for you. Are people still a little incredulous that such technology can exist, whereas previously it was basically this machine was calibrated this way before and I know it's gone left or right of that. How can, mm. I, how can I bring a million calibrations to bear on what I need to work? Yeah, so I think, you know, increasingly people kind of get it because they see it through, you know, just your your own real world experiences of, you know, shopping online or doing things where you'll get suggestions for adverts of things that are like something that you search for or a holiday that's like something that you search for. So you get useful contextualized information that's relevant to what you're interested in anyway. And they see that, uh, you, know, you know, as you do shopping and do various things online. And it's, it's using the same sorts of technology. So putting things in context, situational awareness around them saying, well, if you know this piece of information, you could infer that, or, you know, it, it could mean the, the following things based on what we've seen across multiple other customers, et cetera. So it's bringing large scale context that's relevant to what exactly what they're doing, that is bringing a big data set. So it's not just us taking a guess based on three or four things that are happened. It's on millions of things that have happened and saying, well, based on all of that knowledge in your context, in your type of situation, here's what it would mean. And I think people kind of get and see that pretty quickly, actually, and understand that, yeah, they can actually apply a lot of intelligence to what they're doing without having to have gone through that full journey themselves on their own equipment. You, you are something of an expert at, uh, at promoting Cork as a place where you can have a centre of excellence. I mean, you, you did that in, in your yeah. previous employment uh, when yeah. you were working with Johnson Controls and their global headquarters ended up here. You've clearly yeah. spotted something in this SaaS product that you think Cork is perfectly suited to other than having Donald Sullivan as its CEO. So what's good about what we have here that will enable you to grow this business? Yeah, well, for sure, I've been a, you know, a, a big supporter uh, of, of Cork, love it here, always have. Um, but, you know, for business, you kind of have to leave your, your biases aside and say, well, you know, do you have access to resources and skills and talent, et cetera, that you need to grow your business? And that's the big thing for me, and certainly now in a, an SME. Um, and thankfully, the answer to that is, well, yeah, we have everything that we need to help us grow our business. So can I get great talent? Yes, I can. Um, you know, what comes out of uh, UCC and MTU is superb. And, uh, you know, we, we brought on two, three students this year that are building an app for us and they're doing amazing work. Um, you know, and these aren't people with real world uh, work experience, but, you know, their skill set and their level of competency is, is truly impressive. And, you know, we're setting them complex work to do and, and they're getting through it at a, a rate of knots. 
So for me, you know, the access to talent is, is, is a big thing. The universities on our doorstep here are fantastic um, and we get exactly the kind of skills and talents that we need. There's also a very big pool of digital natives now across a whole swathe of different industries in Cork, whether that's in life sciences, in cyber, in industrial, in silicon, etc. So again, massive pool of, of talent and the more that grows, the, you know, the more that's available for newcomers that come into the system, all of that. So that's terrific. And a lot of people with international experience and we sell all around the world because we've got a cloud platform. We're not limited by any kind of geography. So our biggest customer base is in the US. We sell to Australia, we sell into Asia, we sell in the Middle East, we sell in the UK. Um, and so we've got to be able to cover um, all of those um, locations, speak to the people um, intelligently across the world. And again, we've got um, within our small team here, we've, um, you know, three, four different nationalities, number of languages. So, you know, I've always found Cork to be a great place to, to build a business. Um, and it's no different now that I'm in a smaller company as an SME trying to, to grow what we do. We, we have to build a really, really strong team that's able to impress very demanding, large-scale um, global customers, okay. and we're able to do that. It's fantastic to hear you on another adventure, and we look forward to hearing more about CompuCal calibration systems in the years mm -hmm. to come. Donald Sullivan, CEO of said business, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on Red Business. You're so welcome. Very good to talk to you again. Many new mothers feel very self-conscious about how their body looks, and my next guest was one of those at one point in time admitting to struggling with low self-esteem following the birth of her son. But now she has turned her struggle into a business that's called Bezzatelli, which is a sportswear geared towards new mums. Annabelle Lola, how are you? I'm doing fine, John. Thank you so much. And yourself? I'm good. Lovely to talk to you. So tell us a little bit about Bezzatelli and how you came up with the idea. So uh, Bezzatelli really originated after the birth of my, I have three little boys. Um, after the birth of the youngest one, I lost self-esteem um, because I felt like I had a very big, I developed this mommy tummy and I wasn't comfortable with it. So I realized that like when I wore um, fitness gear, it wasn't really holding my tummy in the way I wanted it. But I really got inspired to start exercising when I saw um, some photos of my friend who had shown before and after pictures of her before she started exercising and what she looked like now that she's exercising. So I said, I'll give it a try. But what really did not work for me very well was the fitness gear I was wearing because it didn't really hold my tummy in as I would have wanted it. So I decided um, to start Bezzatelli so that I can provide, especially new moms, with that gear that holds them comfortably, that they are comfortable to walk out, even if they're just out with a stroller, out with a buggy, with a baby, whatever they're doing, they'll be comfortable in themselves and happy to go out and about. Mm. So I launched Bezzatelli and I also um, started it because I wanted to have a community around the brand so that we can all support each other because at some point I believe that we all need that little push. We all need encouragement to be able to go out oh, yeah. and exercise. I'd imagine so, in, in many ways, Annabelle, that the existing 
uh, providers of sportswear, they don't really want to cater for, for women who just have had babies. They want to, you know, cater for somebody who, uh, you know, wants to buy sports gear to go to the gym or whatever the case may be. So there was a gap in the market, wasn't there? Because you identified it yourself going, I want to exercise, I want to go out, I want to go for a walk, but I can't, I can't wear that because that doesn't suit who I am right now. Yeah, if you look in the market, you'd you'd really realize that most brands that are out there are already for people that are either very fit already or are already into fitness. It doesn't really look at moms that want to get back into fitness or they want to be comfortable in what they're wearing because like after childbirth is a trying time. So moms really need that care and they need something that will keep them really at that sweet spot where they'll really be happy with themselves. So I said, this would be a great idea. It is. No, it is a really good idea. But let's face it, you had three kids, including a newborn at home. Uh, it, it isn't the most obvious time to start a business. So how did you go about doing that? And have you any experience of running your own business prior to this? To be honest, it's really crazy because three young ones, they're all under the age of six. Um, very busy. If you're not busy with one, you'll be with the other. So yeah, it was quite a trying time. And um, it was with within the COVID, it was in the heart of the COVID. And so my husband was home helping with um, a lot of the things like our website, you do most of the maintenance and everything that concerns uh, uploading, updating and everything. But to start a business, I grew up, um, I'm originally from Cameroon and my mom has run several different businesses. And at some point, um, she also was a dressmaker. So maybe this, uh, my love for starting something in fashion originated from her as well. So I would have watched her do a lot of things, how she juggled between home and then her business is not giving up. If it's not working, she'll pivot to another one. So I believe that um, that helped me a lot. And I have a, a little bit of, like I have um, a degree, a bachelor's degree in economics and management, which is equivalent to a business degree in Ireland. So I'll say that on its own helped me a little bit, but it's mainly my love for what I wanted to do. Like the reason behind the brand, my love to encourage that woman, my love to see that woman who just had a baby out there happy and feeling comfortable in herself. That's what really pushed me. And on a daily basis, as busy as I could be, I always find time to see what can I do for the business today? What can I do to make someone smile? And I have to say, you've not just limited it to mums either, because looking at uh, your social media, there's a line for men as well. So you're kind of broadening it out already from the initial idea. It's about the quality and the fit more than anything else. doesn't really matter about the gender by the look of it. Yeah. So another good thing that um, I thought when I was launching, when I, because initially I would go out for walks and I would even work out from home. I'm sure my neighbors are usually wondering who is this woman who is walking out in her kitchen. But when I went out for 
walks, especially the very long walks, I would love to go with the boys. And if their dad was with me, it made it even easier because on my own, I can't handle three active uh, young boys. One would certainly be in the buggy, but the two others, I wouldn't be able to meet up with them. So I loved it when he went along with me. And I thought if a lady is wearing a pair of leggings and then her man to have something that goes along with fitness that is great, that is easy and comfortable for him to work around with, that would also be great. The reason why uh, I incorporated a men's range too. Well, it's it's really lovely, the range that's there and the messaging around it and the community you've built up. It It's a lovely idea. The business is Bezzatelli. It's spelled B-E-Z-A-T-E-L-I. If you Google it, you'll get Instagram, you get the website, you get Facebook. Annabelle, it's been a pleasure. Another lockdown business that's doing really well and delighted to hear it. Annabelle Lola, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much, John. It was lovely to talk with you. And that's it from this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Don't forget, all episodes are available right now on redfm.ie. Kira McDonough was the producer this week, and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.